Start today with what is for me and and I think a lot of people out there a very exciting announcement and we're gonna dig into God's word around it. But we are excited to announce that the Elevation Church is moving towards opening our doors to gather together here publicly for worship. For the first time, starting on Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church, May 31st. So two Sundays from now, two weeks from today, we are inviting the Elevation family to once again gather together in person in the name of Jesus to worship our risen King. And so that decision came out of the elder board meeting this week. Lots of prayer, lots of conversation, and there was a unanimous decision uh, by our 11 uh, Elevation Ministry Board elders uh, to move towards this reopening of the doors of the church. But we're not alone in that. There's actually a very interesting uh, move of unity uh, in the state of California in particular, maybe in other states as well, but I've got my eye on California and there is actually hundreds of churches at this point, and I know that there will be many more by that Pentecost Sunday. But there's actually hundreds of churches that have together, come together, even signed a declaration saying that we believe it's time to, in, in measure, in a way, with, with safety and, and with uh, necessary precautions, it is time to say as a church, it's it's time to reopen the doors. It's time to gather together in Jesus' name. And to be honest, it, it caught me off guard a little bit, but it's resonated very well that this is a, a healthy next step for us to take as a church. So there was a, a letter of essentiality that all of us signed and that was sent off to the governor. And essentially the, the message is we want to work together uh, but we do believe that churches are an essential role, play an essential role in the life of society. And that for the, the spiritual health, the emotional health, the long-term mental health and physical health of the state of California, the best thing we could do is to find a way to safely and smartly reopen churches. And so we sent the letter uh, to the governor has a very similar vein as the same letter that the Riverside County Board of Supervisors sent off on Friday, or Thursday, excuse me. They agreed on it on May 14th, which essentially sends uh, the message to the governor uh, that there is uh, no surge on the local hospital systems. The curve has been flattened, uh, that there is a clear downward uh, trend of cases, um, and it is time to uh, responsibly but safely reopen the county of Riverside. And it, at, thus far, the orders and restrictions that our governor has put in uh, place are just too far, too broad, and too indefinite. And that's part of where the churches come, are coming in and saying, right now we're at the backstage, or we're at the back end of stage three, which the governor has said it could be months, could be a year before that, that back end of stage three is addressed. And so the thought that for months and maybe even more, churches would not be allowed to gather and perform the 
essential functions that God has given us for the well-being of the city and society, uh, that that's not too far. And so we sent a letter saying, essentially, uh, we can be creative. We can, we can work together. We can find a way to, to more narrowly fit churches into a reopening strategy. And if surely if it's deemed essential that I, can, I need to be able to go buy flowers and soil, gardening soil, which is beautiful, by the way, at Lowe's or Home Depot and stand in line for over an hour, and I have with hundreds of other people in the same room, then surely if there's a will, there's a way to find the, the space for churches to be able to reopen uh, responsibly and safely. And so that letter has been sent out. So far, uh, there's been no response. Um, and so that's, that's where the churches have band together, united together, hundreds at this point, to say, God has called us to meet. The word church itself, the very word in the Greek, ecclesia, means gathering. That there is something sacred about, about God calling us to gather together. And so hundreds of churches at this point have seen that date of May 31st, Pentecost Sunday, the birth of the church, the rebirth of a united church in California as a day to open up responsibly and safely again. So we are moving in that direction. And so that's two weeks from now, so just please be looking for a, an email, a video, and a time between now and then. The elder board is going to continue to meet and to hash out the specifics of the plan. Hopefully between now and then we'll have some communication with the governor's office. Uh, so please be on the lookout for what is that uh, going to look like here at Elevation Church, but know that that is the date that we are moving towards. And so the big question for this morning, and I think it's very, very relevant, is that how do we navigate the waters of gathering together in the midst of the unknown and the changing situation that's upon us, but the desire to reopen? How do we navigate those waters well? And I think it's a very, very pertinent question. It's a question that begs itself even outside of church. And according to the, the letter that the Riverside County Supervisor sent this week to our governor saying that it's time to reopen. We can responsibly and safely reopen. And so there's definitely a move and a push in that direction. And so the question as Christians becomes... How do we do that well? How do we do that responsibly? How do we do that lovingly? How do we do that boldly and full of faith? And so it's quite interesting. I'm going to take us through a few passages here in the book of Romans. And kind of almost as a side note, I just want to put a plug in for reading the Bible. Because <laughs> everything you're, you're hearing this morning happened, coincidentally or not, to just come out of Romans chapter 12 through 15, which was what I was reading in my time in God's Word. So either God's Word is just almost always incredibly relevant for the situations of life we're going through, or maybe God was setting me up uh, for this Sunday. But either way, when you get in God's Word, the wisdom from above becomes the headlines of your heart. So I'm going to take us through a few passages in Romans that really, I believe, give us some incredible wisdom and principles for how do we navigate these waters because we don't want to in any way uh, dismiss the fact that there, there, there's complexities here as we desire to move in the direction 
of reopening. And so the first uh, passage in Romans 12 that, that stuck out to me was verses 4 to 6 where it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, and having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If it's prophecy in, or in proportion to our faith, and then it goes on to lists, list a number of different important gifts in the body. But the principle that was sticking out is just this truth. It's all throughout God's word, which is that according to our God-given gifts and passions and strengths, we are going to see and respond to situations differently. You can probably even feel that in your own households right now. You are going to see and respond to the situations differently. And a lot of that is according to our gifts and strengths. And so, in the body of Christ, in how we treat our spouse, our kids, our friends, our neighbors, our Christian brothers and sisters, it is incredibly important from the get-go to recognize that God, by design, has given different members of the body, different members of our family, strengths and gifts, so we are going to approach and see situations differently and that that is actually good and healthy. A couple quick examples. If you want to use the, the five-fold ministry spectrum as a, a lens from which we view life and ministry, and we do, because that's what Jesus modeled for us, and Ephesians 4 talks about it, that God passed out these beautiful different gifts that embody the heart of the Father in order to communicate and live out, embody his message of the kingdom to the world. And on one end of the spectrum, you've got the, the apostolic gifts and, and lens. And they're going to be the ones who are going to be really bold. They're going to be the ones who say, we've got to take big steps of faith. They're going to be the ones that are excited to do things in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of radical change. They're going to be pressing into new territory and see opportunity and say, this is an opportunity to take some new ground for God. <laughs> it was, I was laughing. I won't say the name of the person, but two Fridays ago when the Riverside County Board of Supervisors met uh, to specifically talk about the health orders within our county, and there was all five members unanimously voted to rescind the health orders uh, within Riverside County in regards to masks and social distancing. And I got a text from an anonymous one of you all. It's beautiful. Uh, like four minutes after the meeting's over. It says, so are we meeting on Sunday? <laughs> it's like Friday night at 11 o'clock. <laughs> you know, text, I love your heart, but no, we're not <laughs> meeting on Sunday. That's the way this far end of the apostolic spectrum. It's just like, let's go for it. 
It's good. It's necessary. It keeps us from being stagnant and status quo and stuck in the same place. And at the same time, there is a healthy and good other end of the ministry spectrum called the pastoral end. Those are going to be the folks who are compassionately aware that there are a wide variety of needs within the body. And what do we do about the sick? What do we do about the elderly? What do we do about those who are immunocompromised? What do we do about those who are scared? And they're going to have that good shepherding, pastoral heart of Jesus that says, I'm going after the one. If all the 99 are fine, I'm going after the one. I want to make sure the one is okay. And that is so necessary. The church should be known with leading with compassion. But those two ends of the spectrum can also feel like they're in awe, that are at odds with one another. There's definitely a tension between them. And so this is where I love, or one of the many reasons why I love God's word. It puts the tension right in front of us and says, this is healthy for you. To feel a call towards big, bold, risk-taking faith and also incredible compassion for the one who's hurting or scared. I'm going to put both right in the middle of this body. I'm going to put both right in the middle of your family, and I'm going to say, deal with it. It's good for you. I'm going to put both and say, yes, there's an inherent tension, and I've designed it that way. It's good and necessary within a church family. So I just kind of chuckle because it's like, this is God's design. And so as we move forward, one important principle that Romans 12 is bringing forth, calling us to be aware of, is we should feel tensions. If you don't feel tensions, that's not healthy. You're probably operating on one far end of the spectrum and ignoring the value that God has put within the body and probably even your family and your friends. That these tensions are meant to work together for our good. Moving on in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, Paul brings out another principle that's huge. Talking about living in the context of community, he says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves one another has fulfilled the law. So as we move forward and hopefully as our entire country wrestles through the, a reopening process, what's on our minds? And this is a great principle that not only we recognize and respect the different perspectives and tensions that are brought up by those strengths, but that first and foremost, we choose to put on love. Knowing that love embodies the heart of God and it in fact fulfills the whole law of God. That this whole Old Covenant, Old Testament law of God that does embody His heart. Many places in the Old Testament and New Testament say that the whole entire law, the laws of God are fulfilled at their core when you put on love. Love of God, love of neighbor. 
And so this is, again, just a healthy check as we're moving forward. Have we clothed ourselves with love? Have we made the choice to put on love as our perspective in how we are going to treat everyone that we talk to about this situation? And then moving forward, chapter 14. I'm actually going to read the whole thing. And then through 15, 7. This chapter reminds me a lot of the book of James because there are all sorts of wonderful nuggets of wisdom from on high. As you're trying to navigate the messy waters of life in community, how do you do that? You need wisdom from on high. You can't just operate out of your strengths. Typically, if it's just operating out of your strengths, you're going to hurt people. Because you're going to leave others behind. You're going to blast over other people. You're not going to remember other people's perspectives. And so we put on love, and then we seek wisdom from on high. And this passage is a beautiful one because it just, bam, 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 nails us like the book of James with all sorts of different nuggets of wisdom on how to nav- navigate specific questions that come up in community in regards to these situations that there's gray area, there's tension. Like if you don't want to come to church two Sundays, that doesn't mean you're not a believer. That doesn't mean you're not a follower of Christ that loves God. We're not going to be looking around the room like, oh, that person's not here. They, they must not have good enough faith. No. This is not an, an essential of being a believer. There's a beautiful quote that's attributed to St. Augustine from back in the day. And then other people say, no, it wasn't him. But it doesn't matter at this point. It's a phenomenal quote that I believe embodies God's heart in this situation and moving forward. And he said it like this. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, charity. I think that's on your lift notes there, and that's a good one to just meditate on. As we're moving forward, that encapsulates a lot of the wisdom of Romans 14 and 15, which we're going to get into. In the essentials of the faith, those really core things that are about Jesus being Lord, we've got to be unified. In the non-essentials, we've got to give each other space for freedom. And in everything, we've got to clothe ourselves with love. That's a good word. So let's dig into Romans 14. And a little bit of the context, the the gray area, if you will, that they were facing in their life is, for many of them, they're like, this is not a gray area. This is core to our faith. But the reality on the ground was in Rome, there was a mixed racial church. Jews and Gentiles are coming together, unified in the essential declaration and faith that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So they have united around that essential faith in Jesus. But beyond that, man, they couldn't be more different. I mean, there is hundreds of years of 
separation and even animosity and different cultures and, and race within the Jew and Gentile separation. And now all of a sudden, they're one in Christ. They're a family. They're in the family of God. And they're meant to just be together and be one, learn how to live out a unity in Christ. But man, the cultural differences, the language differences, the upbringing, the perspective, the worldview, radically different. And in some cases, with a real animosity and barrier between one another for decades. In that context, Paul gets into one of the specific things that is going to and is causing conflict in the community. And that has to do with food, one of the basic necessities of life. What do you eat? And what is appropriate within the context of community? Because there are some major cultural separations. If you know the Old Testament, you know that those 600 plus laws, many of them dietary, saying, God says, don't eat this. And so you've got a bunch of Jewish Christians who are trying to, it's hard enough on their own without the Gentile pressure to, what does it look like to say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior and work that out in accordance with the law. And then you put them in the same family that's supposed to meet together regularly and have meals together and take the Lord's Supper together and declare their oneness in Christ. And you've got all these Gentile Christians coming in who do all these things that violate the Jewish conscience with food. You're not allowed to eat that meat. It's a, it's a real deal. 1 Corinthians 8 dealt with a similar thing where there was, there was food in the Gentile world, especially sacrificed to idols. So not only is it meat, which God had said, don't eat that, but now it's, we know it was also sacrificed to idols, which is another layer. It was like given as worship. So what do you do? Are you allowed to eat that? So these are real tensions. This is not a little deal. These are, these are, these are church-splitting tensions in the first century. So within that context, Paul speaks. So relevant to our world today as we look at how do we navigate these tension-filled waters of opening up, yet embodying the heart of God to one another and the world around us. So Romans 14, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll come back and make a few observations. <clears throat> Through 15.7. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So, side note right there, if you just ever want to be really mean to a vegetarian, it's in the Bible. The weak person eats only vegetables. So, you can go ahead and misquote the Bible and be a total jerk and have the Bible backing you up. All right, that's not what this context is saying. <laughs> a little fun for this morning. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed both. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. 
Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives, gives thanks to God. While the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and give thanks, gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself, not your brother, to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. I know I am persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. By the way, to the Jewish ear, that is going to be a shocking statement from their Jewish brother, Paul. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink or wine, or excuse me, it is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your bro brother to stumble. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because he the eating is not from faith, and for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. 
a long passage, but a great one. I would encourage you, if you haven't already, take some time even after today and read through that and ask the Lord, what is he wanting to highlight for you? But there's just about five or six nuggets of wisdom that were highlighted to me that I believe are very important for our community as we move forward towards opening in the next weeks and months to come, along with our whole country and our county and our state, these questions of how do we navigate these waters well. So we've seen so far, remember the different gifts and perspectives we come with. They're by God's design, and they're good. We want to put on love in everything, and then we want to live it out through this. So here it is. 14.1 stands out. As for the one who's weak in faith, welcome him, but do not quarrel over opinions. And these are strong opinions. Strong opinions happening in this community. I mean, if we're not of Jewish descent, if we're not first century Jews, it's going to be really hard to, to grab hold of the Jewish mindset that would say, no, but this is something worthy of quarreling over. This is an opinion that is worth quarreling over. God said it, in fact, over and over. I mean, our whole life is surrounded around these dietary laws and restrictions to the glory of God. So there's a deeply embedded sense of worth over this issue in their community. And Paul's perspective as a Jew, as a Jewish believer, is don't quarrel over these different opinions. Rather, welcome each other. Receive each other. With the open arms of Christ, welcome one another. That's not a tolerating. That's a arms wide open, you are my brother. And I love the challenge here. It's saying, so have arms open wide. You are my brother or my sister. And this is to the person that has a different opinion than you. That naturally, in your flesh, you want to fight with. I love the Bible's challenges. It's not saying, welcome with open arms the person who has the exact same opinion, opinion as you do about COVID-19. They're watching all the same videos. They're saying yes and amen. They're liking all the same posts. And you guys just believe each other are the wisest people on the planet. It's not saying welcome those people. It's saying welcome the people who've posted stuff that you think is crazy and stupid. Now we're living Christian community. Don't quarrel over opinions, but welcome one another. doesn't say you can't have honest conversations where you share your opinions and you work together on stuff. That's all over God's word too. But this is addressing a situation where there was tension. And so Paul just brings that first piece of wisdom and says, in the long run, it's not worth losing your brother over it. It's not worth losing your sister Somehow you got to find a way to welcome one another while you disagree in, with their opinion. Whew. 
Thank you, God's word, for challenging me and Holy Spirit empowering me to be a man that I could not be on my own strength. So church, let's be this right here. And it moves forward. Romans 4, 14, 13 says, Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed them. God's welcomed them both. This is so interesting. I mean, and again, these are opinions that are going to, you're going to see the other person and you're like, oh, that's wrong. That's how they're feeling about each other in the community. And God, Paul's word is God welcomes them both. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. And then down in verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We're going to stand before God one day and we're not going to be like, see, all those other people were wrong. It's just going to be you and God. And you and I are each all alone going to give an account to God of the decisions we made and how we treated others and the opinions we had. And so Paul is saying here, so if that's the case, we are not, there is not a place to judge one another. a strong word but if judging one another is causing division in the body of Christ and ruining relationships or as he later says destroying the work of God in a brother it's it's not being fruitful Paul is saying so there's this strong word of the importance of somehow yes sharing your opinion sharing your perspective sharing your truth coming together grinding that out working together on those things and somehow in the midst of all that, unity has got to be preserved. That's Paul's call. And he goes on in Romans 14, 5 and 6 to say, One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. That's interesting. Fully convinced in his own mind, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord. You can be at really different places than someone next to you, and that's okay. In fact, it says in here, good people in the family of God can be at different places and their individual decisions where they've landed are both honoring to God. So what's happening here is there's all sorts of conflict. One person says, I'm eating in the name of the Lord. Another person says, I'm not eating in the name of the Lord. Another person says, I'm meeting on this day, the Sabbath day, Saturday, because that's what we do as Jews. And others say, oh, I'm meeting on this day, Sunday, because that's when Jesus rose from the dead. And they're all fighting about it. And Paul's perspective is, if you're doing it with a conscience to honor God, you're all worshiping God in each of those actions. You're bringing honor to God. It's saying in these things, you know, back to the Augustine quote, in the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, freedom or liberty in all things, charity. So these are the things where, man, if this is not about that life and death, is Jesus the King of kings and Lord of lords, Savior, the way, the truth, and the life? It's, if it's not around that essential, then we've got to give each other freedom. In each of our processes of learning and growing and maturing, 
It's so interesting. It says each person has to be convinced in their own mind. And, the, and the, you do that with conviction, and it's an honor to God. You're worshiping God. And it's this very interesting tension of, well, I could be convinced in my own mind, and it's an act of worship to God, and then five years later, I could be equally convinced about that same situation, and I've changed my mind, and Paul's saying, and that's still honor to God. The point is, we do not have it all together. None of us have a monopoly on truth. None of us have a monopoly on maturity and wisdom. So there's these tensions, these gray areas in our walk and in the body of Christ where we've got to give each other liberty and freedom to be where we're at. That good people are going to be at different places, and that is okay. In fact, they're honoring God with where they're at. Wow. It's right out of God's word. Right out of God's word. Healthy challenge. Is that the way that we make other people feel? Moving on to Romans 4.13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother or sister. So this is along those same lines as we're really looking at having compassion on our brothers and sisters and desiring to maintain unity. Paul's call is that we, so don't force your way onto someone else if it's going to cause them to stumble. If you're going to be so strong in your opinion and so forceful that it's going to cause them to stumble, he says, back off. Don't put a stumbling block in the way of a brother. And right along the same lines in 4, 14, 15, he says, So if your brother's grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. If your brother is grieved by what you've chosen and what you're doing and how you're saying it and how you're presenting it, you're no longer walking in love. That's just a good word. If we grieve one another in what we're saying and how we're sharing we're not walking in love. So we've got to find a way to share, healthy in community, share a perspective, share what we're learning, share what we're thinking. That is an absolutely precious dynamic in the body of Christ. But we've got to share in a way where there's room for others to have a different opinion. And we don't come on so strong it stumbles them. We don't come on so strong it grieves them as if we know it all and they are just wrong. So that's why as we move forward to even to opening, we've got to have different options without judgment. And we will. In all of these things, what we are seeing is this preserving of unity in the body of Christ is so much more important than dividing and splitting on these types of issues. And he goes on to say in chapter 14, 19, and 20, So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding or edification. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it's wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. So that's now we're, we're getting to the end of the passage. We're seeing that it's really the, the heart behind it all is that in these things that we've got to grind out, living in community together, 
where there's tensions, there's complexities, there's questions, there's not just a simple, easy answer. The heart behind it as we've put on love is actively pursue peace and, and that which builds each other up. So somehow in the process of hard questions of life and tension-filled situations, there is a possibility that God's word is saying that it will be used by God for the mutual building up of each other. Building up of those people that have differing opinions from one another. So our call, the call here by God's word, is to actively pursue conversations and actions that build one another up in this process. And lastly, he closes 16 and 7. It's a prayer, it's a blessing, and we receive it as ours. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant to you, this is a gift from the Holy Spirit, to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another with differing opinions as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. I love the emphasis on unity. You guys know that is so key to our heart here at Elevation. It's why we do so much in the community with other pastors. It's why I've been on the phone and Zoom calls and text with many other local pastors this week, last week, and to come. It's why I signed an agreement that hundreds of other pastors are moving towards. It's why there was a pastor's group that got together in Menifee and talked through a lot of these issues. And there are many, these pastors are not all at the same places. There are some pastors in Menifee that opened last Sunday. There are several that are going to open on Pentecost Sunday. And there are some who have said, we're not opening at all. We're not putting, well, not at all. We're not open, opening, we're not putting any date. It's indefinite. And yet, there's this hard work we signed still, signed a document together that we all, separate, as Menifee pastors sent to the governor, asking for that conversation, asking for that declaration of the essentiality of churches and a recognition that churches do and play a vital role in the community. So even though us as pastors in Menifee don't all agree on exactly how to move forward, we are unified with one voice saying we're one church and we want to be recognized in our essential role and function in society. I believe that one voice honors Jesus. It's part of what gets me excited about the growing number of churches that are choosing May 31st is because there's a message going to our governor. There's a message going to our state. There's a unified message of hundreds of churches that these churches are of all stripes and denominations and sizes, and these churches have not been unified. These churches have not found a way to make some type of formal declaration and sign a document together. I mean, yeah, we all say we, we love Jesus, but as far as recognizing one another and seeing each other and saying, hey, we are unified in this, we are unified with one voice, 
with a message to the governor saying church matters in California. Churches, religion, being able to assemble matters in California. So there is a move of unity that's beautiful. And that's where this passage ends is that somehow in the midst of all this, God's heart, God's will is that we would so honor one another's perspectives, give space and liberty for one another to have different opinions and be at different places, but put on love throughout all of it, that somehow as we do that, by God's grace, we can live in harmony with one another and there can be one voice that's coming out of God's church that says, Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God. That's where we want to move, church. Because as we have been saying over and over, we believe that's, that's ultimately where revival is coming. That's where the wave of awakening is coming. When the church humbles itself and learns how to be unified together, even while having differences and different opinions, just like the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit fell for fire. And that's our heart, church. Let's move forward with love and unity. Let me pray. Jesus, we ask that you would help us to navigate these waters where the real-life situations right now are, are challenging. They're challenging even within our own homes, with, among close friends and family members. Thank you, God, that your word promises that you are the God of encouragement. You are the God of patience, the God of hope and love and unity, and by your Spirit present in us, flowing among us, we can be a people that have one voice that declare Jesus is God, Jesus is King. We can be a people that learns how to be united, even in the midst of holding different opinions. Imagine that. That's so different from the world, God. That's so different from what we can do on our own strength to love and respect and give freedom even to brothers and sisters who are at different places. God, we need your grace to do that because the world's certainly not given us any good examples. So may your Holy Spirit help us. I pray you humble us this morning as we need it. Lord, I know I was convicted and humbled as I read this passage. of Man, whew, strong words right there, challenging to me. I pray that all of us in the healthy way would, would hear your heart in this, God. Hear your heart to love one another, to put on that compassionate, patient, welcoming love of Christ that at the same time is bold and will take steps of risk and faith as the lion of Judah did as well. God, that's the picture that's coming to my mind right now. Jesus, you are both the Lamb of God and the Lion of God. And as we move forward, we need both in our hearts. May you give us the boldness to be and embody the heart of the Lion of God and at the same time and in the right measure and application embody the, the Lamb of God for one another. 
Holy Spirit, we pray you would be growing us. This is a great opportunity as a church to grow. Because if we're honest, all of us are going to be challenged by something in this situation and context. So we pray, Holy Spirit, reign over the Elevation Church family. Continue to reign and reign supreme. Touch each individual heart. Speak to us as we need to hear and grow us into the unified body that is one voice trumpeting the name of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Sing a new song. I will sing a new song.